This is uh, Joe and John Getchell, and I guess for the last few weeks I've been referring to them as the Sons of Thunder. And everybody's like going, why do you call them the Sons of Thunder? Well, that is biblical, if you didn't know. It comes out of Mark chapter 3, and Jesus referred to James and John, who are the son, sons of Zebedee, as the Sons of Thunder. Nobody knows why. Jesus called them the sons of thunder, but uh, so I just kind of attached Joe and John to that. And then John this morning says, who told you that? I'm like, nobody told me that. Years ago, do you want to explain this story? (laughs) Years ago, there was a lady that prophesied over them and called them the sons of thunder. And uh, it kind of freaked him out this morning that uh, no one had told me that. So uh, it's just the way the Spirit works, right? So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Joe Getchell and John Getchell. Here. This is nerve-wracking. So, you know, we're not we're not emotional guys. We've been in construction for 23 years. Uh, before that, we worked on hog farms, and we've just been around tough guys. You know, like you got feelings, we don't care. You know, something's going wrong. So it's like our emotions are kind of like our hands; they're just a little callous. So it's in almost to a fault where my relationship with my wife and other things I should be more caring, more responsive, more emotional and it's just, I'm not but when it comes to this subject it's very emotional for both of us so uh, we have uh, we're two of six we have an older brother, two older sisters and, and a younger sister and we grew up church our whole lives and it wasn't just like a Sunday thing, it was like an everyday conversation if anybody's met my mom, you understand the enthusiasm there. And um, But it was a great thing. I mean, it was love and a lot of great people. But there was also the conditional where you stand, you know. And it was you're saved by grace, but you're cut by works. And depending on where you're at is depending on how God sees you. So growing up, it was just you never felt like you're worthy of God's love. And you could miss, you know, your salvation was an in and out kind of revolving door. Um, Your healing could be affected by your behavior, your finances. Everything was dependent on where you stood with God. And depending on who you are, it's like you could have everything right. But, you know, it's like who's determining the sin measuring stick? So when Romans was introduced to us by Doug Shreve, he actually introduced to Joe and Amy, they went over for a Bible study in 2010. And we weren't coming to Lavender. We were actually going to separate churches, and um, we were working together, and Doug gave Joe the CDs. So we started listening to the CDs every day at lunch, and uh, we would just hang on every single word because we'd been in church our whole lives, but we'd never heard identity anywhere. And so when you realize 
that it's not about what you've done or what you're doing, but about what's already been done for you. It's just like, it changes everything. I'll jump in for a second. <laughs> We're going to save each other here and there. Because, <laughs> you know, this if there's tears, it's not a sadness. That's I mean, it is an overwhelming love and appreciation for our Heavenly Father. And I still, I still can't wrap my mind around what was revealed to us about his love, like how that changed our life. Because I think when we grew up, we weren't taught wrong. We were taught by amazing people who loved Jesus and they, their hearts were in the right spot. But as a young man, I mean, I loved Jesus. When I was a young man, I loved Jesus. And, um, but when the, when the church is all behavior and it's all sin management, it's like this morning standing here and singing how he loves us, you know, but you're, you're maybe a freshman in high school and you're not sure if what you did Wednesday afternoon is going to affect your salvation. You know, when you feel like that salvation is like, it's here today, gone tomorrow based on what you're doing. It's, it's torment, but you don't realize it until you're free from it, which is, it's bizarre, but when you're in it, it's like, it's almost like you pretend to be something you're not. And that's what was so freeing this morning on the way here is I told my wife, I'm like, there is no pressure on us, you know? We don't have to get up here and be Bible scholars, and we don't have to get up here and pretend to be unemotional and scholars of the word. We're not. We're just we're just going to be ourselves. and Because when you do that, then your Heavenly Father has a chance to do his thing through you because it's no longer about you. It's about him. So. I think too, when you don't understand the power of sin, that you're not the one generating the thoughts. It's, it's like, how can I be a Christian? How can I be saved, but still have this thought, you know? So it's like every time that they would have an altar call or every time they'd have the sinner's prayer, you would always jump up and run down there because I want to make sure I want to, you know, I got to make sure I'm really in. And then the next day you're still questioning it, you know? So it's just this insecurity all the time that where do I stand? And, uh, I don't know. It was, uh, it was transforming in like every aspect, the way we saw our kids, the way we saw their people. And it's like for once we had, a reason to talk to people about Christ because before it was like, why are you a Christian? Well, it's just, so when I die, I go to heaven, but man, it's a tough road right now. But now it's like this great thing. I mean, it's, you're forgiven, you're redeemed. You know, it's like the King of Kings loves you. And it's just like, you're the son of a King and you can walk around knowing that you're loved. And when you focus on what he's done for you and what he did for you and how much he loves you, it's like the sin stuff just disappears. And when that's not your focus, it's just, 
It's a different relationship. So we were, Rusty gave us um, Romans 7, 1 through 13. And um, I think one of the coolest things about being asked to speak or is it really kind of honed you back in like, you know, we we did this probably 12 years ago, the Roman study, and now it's like, man, it comes back to life like it was last week. But so getting started, Romans 1 says, Since I am speaking to those who understand law, brothers, <clears throat> are you unaware that the law has authority over someone as long as he lives? For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding the husband. So then, if she gives herself to another man while her husband is living, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. Then, if she gives herself to another man, she is not an adulteress. So I think that's pretty simple. It's just... um, It's like an illustration that, so Paul is talking to Romans who believe in Christ, or Christian Romans and Jews, and this law is a law that they know very well, so it's a good way, I feel, for Paul to explain how this death freed this woman from this law of marriage. So then he goes on and says, Therefore, my brothers, you were also put in put to death in relation to the law through the crucified body of the Messiah, so that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we may bear fruit for God. So when I when I was reading that I, This, um, like in Romans 6, it talks about we are crucified with Christ. And so the way I understand that is when we accept Christ as our Savior, before that we have this, we have this old man, this, this nature that we got from Adam, this sinful nature. And for much of my life, I always felt like there was, there was two sides to Joe. There was this, there was this good side that loved Jesus, and then there was this bad side, this old self, that, in my own strength, I was going to have to learn how to control, and keep, the keep the good on top of the bad, kind of. I always thought that I would struggle with this, and as I got older, this would get easier. And that's and as I studied and worshipped, this this old man would become less and less and less. And I just you almost look for that day when this old man is not as big as the new man. Um, and it's like I said, when you're in that, it makes sense. You know, it's just like I'm going to do enough and be enough and witness to enough people that that Holy Spirit's going to get so strong in me that that old nature's not going to be there. But reading this, so it's like I accepted Christ, and this is what I know now. When I accepted Christ, it says I was crucified with Him. and it, 
it's not a physical death, but it's, it's that old man is gone. That old man was crucified with Christ so that there is room for this new heart, this new creature that lives in me. So when I read that, it, that's good news. That's good news that that's not, if, if that comes through my mind now that that's just the old, I'm like, it's BS. He's not there. The Bible says he's not there. You know, somebody didn't make this up and tell me it says it in his word. And I think, too, when you're, when you're trying to do that in your own strength, the harder you try, the worse you fail. You know, it's like, I'm going to get it right today. And you get up and you have every great expectation. At the end of the day, you're just on your face. You know, and after a while, you get tired of getting up and getting up. So it's just like, what's the point of trying? And you just get defeated. And then five, five goes on to say, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions operated through the law in every part of us and bore fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, since we have died to what held us, so that we may serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old letter of the law. So I think not knowing... I think with this, like passions operated through the law in every part of us. It's funny how it's so true, but, and I think everybody can relate, but if you're told not to do something, it's all you want to do. And it's a funny story, but it's very real. But I, um, being in construction, I have a large, um, I get a lot of my nutrition from the gas station. <laughs> and um, some of it's pre-peeled hard-boiled eggs that I'm pretty sure that are in formaldehyde. And <laughs> so I got salmonella maybe 10 years ago, quite a while, quite a while ago. It's bad. <laughs> it's was, it was rough. And uh, so I'm at the I'm at the health clinic or whatever, and they're trying to decide where I got it. <laughs> And the guy's like, pretty sure it's gas station hot dogs, <laughs> you know? And I think it's because I cheat sometimes. It says they're not ready. And I'm like, oh, they're ready. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's like that, that, that made me so sick. You know, it, it probably took me two weeks to get over that. We'd be working and Joe would just turn around and throw up. And then we turn around and just keep working. It was crazy. <laughs> But knowing that I shouldn't eat those things anymore, every time I walk to the gas station, it's all I can think about. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, it's that way with so many things. Tell somebody they can't have it or don't do it, and especially children, like, it's good to have rules in place, you know, to govern our life, but I found that my sin management, what I struggled with is what they were teaching us in church that was, you know, absolutely a no-no is like, that's all you want to do. And that's what brings that verse to life is like, and I think that's why 
it just makes sense that we're not under law because if the law is if the law is um, like the perfect standard, you know, it's what Jesus fulfilled on earth when he lived this sin-free life. So you have this, this perfect standard of what a sinless life looks like. But it says when he died, he forgave you of all your sins. That's, those are the things that confused us as young, young people. It's like, all my sins are forgiven. It's all about him. He loves me unconditionally. But don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Let's just pick out the ones we want to teach on. So to know that there's not this, this standard, if there's no standard, if there's nothing that you have to live up to, then it only makes sense that you're free from sin. So we were reading this last night, and um, you know it says that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old letter of the law. And Esther reminded us of um, Hebrews 8, 7. It says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one. But finding fault with his people, he says, See, the days are coming, says the Lord. And I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with the ancestors on the day I took them out of the land. To lead them out of the land of Egypt, I showed no concern for them, <clears throat> says the Lord, because they did not continue in my covenant. For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds and write them into their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And each person will teach his fellow citizen and each his brother or sister saying, Know the Lord, because they all will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their sins. By saying a new covenant, he has declared that the first is obsolete, and that is what is obsolete, growing old, and is about to pass away. So it's like once you accept him, it's like he writes you know, the Spirit dwells in you, and it's like He writes His law in your heart, and it's like you don't have to sit there and read it. You don't have to be told He's in you, you know? And it's just your nature. It's not about step by step. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's what's like just talking through this, it's it's hard to know what it was like before Christ and before the Holy Spirit dwelled inside of us. You know, because that, to me, has always been my governing. You know, it, I could, it's very real. The Holy Spirit is very real in me. But it's like before Jesus died on the cross, your faith was based on the law, which means if you kept the law, if your behavior was good, then then you were good with God. And if you weren't, then then there was other laws about how to sacrifice, how to get back to being good with God. But now, like, now that we've been crucified with Christ, like, our faith now is in Jesus. So, 
I look at, I almost think it's, it's easier to follow. I'm not sure how to say this. It's almost easier to know that you're following all the rules and that you're good with God than it is to just let the rules go and trust, especially with your children. So it's so much easier to have, if you could look at your kids and you could see them doing all 25 things correctly and you think they're good with me. It's, it's tough to think I'm going to release them from the rules and I'm not going to put, I'm not going to put them under law. I'm not going to put them under a rule book. I still want to govern them. I still want to teach them. But I don't want to condemn them with breaking the rules. It's tough. I think it's much easier to be heavy-handed and say, this is what we're going to do. If you if you do this, you're going to be punished. You know, that's a much easier way to govern them than just trusting them that the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. And that given that freedom, their love and respect for me will will keep them from wanting to do what is wrong. I think that makes sense. It's like it would be it would almost be easier to come up and teach if they said this is what you're going to do. You're going to open, you know. You're going to you're going to read these verses, you know. You're going to then this is going to take place and then we're going to pray and then you're going to go home. You know, this is you just go up there follow the rules and you're good. But instead he just says go squat and teach. <laughs> and we use the term teaching lightly, but <laughs> So when we read this, it just makes sense to me that when Christ, it's like, like if you, like I know it's in Matthew, I know the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the guy comes up to him and says, I'm doing it all right, you know, and Christ is like, you're doing it all right, then let's, let's take it to the next level. Like, let's not think about anything wrong. Like, if we're going to do it all right, let's do it all right. And when you read that, as a young man, you open your Bible, you read the Sermon on the Mount, you close the Bible like, there's no way in the world I can do this. You know, there's no way I can walk that walk because you feel like you're meant to live a sin-free life and it's impossible. But then when somebody tells you that that's not what it's about, that that's misunderstood, that that part of scripture is to point you to your savior who's going to work th- work through you to do it for you it's like it's, that's grace you know like all the pressure's off of you it's it's on him so just go up there and read the bible and tell him what you think cuz it's it's not on your shoulders So I think to recap the first six verses, it's like, you know, don't put yourself in the story of, don't be the, don't be the woman whose husband died. Don't be the husband who died. It's that, that part of the first three verses is just a, it's just an illustration so that they can understand what has happened. Cause these people, 
these Jews, I mean, you read through Leviticus at those laws, and it's it's overwhelming. So these these people that found their security in in God through their obedience, and now Paul is trying to explain to them that's all been done away with. Um, I think 2,000 years later, we're still, I mean, you still go in and it's, you go online, you see stuff on social media, There's it, the law is still there. So verse number, sorry, verse number seven, what should we say then is the law sin? Absolutely not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said do not covet. And sin eight is in sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment produced in me coveting of every kind, for apart from the law, sin is dead. I think, um, I think you chose coveting because you can't see it. You know, it's like you can tell when somebody's murdering somebody, (laughs) stealing something, but coveting is something that's in your heart. And I think that's a tough one for today because it's, I mean, social media makes that so hard. You know, it's like you can be on top of the world, everything's going great, and you see a post from somebody, and all of a sudden, in a second, I wish I could be there. I wish I had that. Why am I not there? Why, you know, and it's just, it can ruin you, but it's not something that somebody can physically see. So I think he picks this one just because, it's in your heart, you know, and it's, I think it's something that everybody deals with, no matter who you are, no matter if you're at the top of the game or whatever, I think everybody is always playing the comparison game. And why not me? I think too, you know, Paul's writing this letter and I mean, if you just read it literally, it's like, that's something that he struggles with. You know, I think he's just being, just kind of being honest. And I think what's funny is, so so do not covet is one of the Ten Commandments. Well, he's he's calling that law, and then in the four scriptures above, five scriptures above, he says we're no longer under law because of Christ's death. But how many how many people still live it's like they want to give up the 613. I only know that because I looked it up yesterday. <laughs> Laws in Leviticus. How many people want to give that up? That's, you know, that we're no longer under that, but I still want the Ten Commandments, you know? But that's not, that's not Scripture. Paul's saying right here that he struggles with the do not covet, and that's, that's one of the Ten Commandments. And when we were doing this Roman study and it was mentioned that the the Ten Commandments are not for us since we have accepted Christ, in my mind, I'm like, that's not right. (laughs) 
you know? And I feel like at the time I felt like it was the Holy Spirit going, that's not correct, you know? But it's not. It's Satan in there like twisting it around like, you don't need all your freedom. Just You just need a little bit of freedom. Because if... If you really grasp what this means, then I no longer have control of you. You know, if if I can't if I can't get in your head and twist the sin up a little bit or or condemn you with a little bit of you shouldn't be doing you if 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 I lose that then it's like his game. Look at Eve. I think Eve is a great example. You know, the Jews they had, 613 plus 10, so 635. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I need to laugh a little. But You know, Eve, Adam and Eve had one, I mean, it's the very first story in the Bible. They had one rule. Do not eat of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. That's the only, they, they walked with God in the garden. Adam was God's son. I mean, there's, there's nobody ever closer to God than Adam and Eve. They had one rule. Do not eat from that tree. And Satan took that rule and just twisted it a little bit and Eve disobeyed God. And when I, when the Holy Spirit reveals that to me or when I hear that, it just makes perfect sense that if we live under law, if we live with the rules, then not that Satan has us right where he wants us, but That's that's the deceit. That's the confusion. That's at 18 years old. You're ready to just cash out. Because this thing you love so much, this passion for your Savior is unattainable because you can't wake up and even think the right thoughts. You're like, I just did a relight my fire Wednesday and it's Thursday morning. I mean, that was our church. Like come up, recommit, relight the fire, get more of the spirit. And (laughs) the next day you're like fires out. You know, and you go up and down and up and down and up and down. And it's finally, you're just like, I'm done. I'm done. And then a buddy hands you a package of CDs and you bored one day at work. He put one in and it's like, There's a picture of a 
a butterfly flying away from a ball and chain, this huge weight. And you're like, I understand that. I understand that. Okay. So, and then nine, once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came in, sin sprang to life and I died. The commandment that was meant for life resulted in death for me. 11. For sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and, th- and through it killed me. So then, the law is holy, the commandment is holy, and just and good. 13. Therefore, Did what is good cause my death? Absolutely not. On the contrary, sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was produced death in me through what is good, so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. We were just saying last night, whenever he says um, through what is good, like what is good is the law. And if you don't know what you're doing is wrong until somebody tells you, it's kind of like, like Joe had this illustration, you're at the beach and you're swimming, you're having a great time. You turn around and the sign says, no swimming, sharks in the water, you know? So then you're torn because what you've been doing all day and having a great time is against the rules. So it's kind of like the same thing. There's nothing wrong with the sign. It's not that the sign is bad. It's just you under that. You know, the sin stirs it up inside you just because of the the law. It's like me under law. The law isn't bad. It's a sinful nature that gets stirs up through the law in me, if that makes sense. I think the last two were tough that, you know, we had a lot of discussion on. And it's like when somebody says you don't do something, that's all you want to do. And it doesn't matter what it is. Remember, we were at camp one time, and Rusty had a red shovel in front of the class, and he held it up, and he said, you can do anything you want, just don't look at the red shovel. And that's all you want to do. You know, and the law is the same way. And um, there's just no freedom there. I think one thing, too, um, You know, and I don't, I don't say this to be controversial or hurt feelings. It's just my own, just what makes sense in my mind is I think there's even like modern Christian law. And I think even as, even as an adult, um, it's like, like an accountability group or quiet time or you anything that is thou shalt, you should, you need to. Because if that's not the way you're wired, if that's... It's like time with your Heavenly Father is time with your Heavenly Father. You, you can't get enough of it. And there's a huge draw in me to know Him better. Because I've just, I just feel like I have a taste of who he is. And not only to know him better for me, but also to share with others. 
but I will be completely honest with you, I'm not a Bible reader. There's a draw in my heart that wants that in my life. But I went through that study through the whole book and I did, it didn't click for me. And I put two CDs in and it floored me because it's, it's just the way I learn. And I was talking to my wife, even going through these 13 verses, I just told her, I said, I really want to do a Bible study with her. Um, and it's not because I feel like I have to or I've been told to. It's because I want to. And instead of waking up at 5 a.m. like I used to try to do to spend 15 minutes with him, now that I know I'm good with him, I spend all day with him. <laughs> I talk to him all day. And we just, I don't wonder if he's listening. I don't wonder if my... My actions have blocked that. Let's talk to him. So we don't have quiet time. We have all day. And I wake up with every spiritual blessing, every gift. I wake up with that every morning. I don't wake up and go. Ten years from now, I'll be married to some sweet lady. And my life will be so much easier because then I won't have all these temptations. They're still there. The temptations are still there. But there's a desire in me now that we talk so much, I don't want to... That stuff has lost its appeal. It's not because I can't. It's because I don't want to. Because I don't want to disappoint this amazing Savior of mine who's become like a best friend, I don't want to go out and not screw that up, but I just don't. It's like that relationship is so pure that you just have this huge respect for it that I don't need somebody to tell me, don't go out and commit adultery, don't go out and murder, you know. Like when John read that, he's written it on our hearts. It's true. It's like, Open your eyes to who he is and see yourself as he sees you. And I'm telling you, sin becomes this like, it loses its power. And then we can move on to caring about others and, and meeting people where they are and having answers for guys you work with. And you can just say, hey, man, <laughs> you need to know my friend Jesus. You know, that's it. Because when you're focused on and I got to go to work today and share with whoever. It's tough. So I think I think to summarize this whole 13 verses if you were to ask me it would just be you're free in Christ. And if you wake up and feel like you're not worthy or you're not doing something right or you're not giving enough money or you're not talking to enough people. I'm telling you, it's, it's the king of lies. 
It's the same one who took one rule in the, in the Garden of Eden and twisted it just enough that she sinned. So if those rules are in your life, if that law is in your life, it's not for you. It's, it's not, there's no measuring stick. There's no, there's no guideline. There's no respect the perfect standard, respect what Jesus did on earth, but know that he does not expect that of you. Because it's not what you're doing here on earth. This is good news. It's what he did. And that pressure's off. The little screen is red, and I think we're three minutes over, so we can be up here all day. And uh, it's just, there's freedom. You know, there's just so much freedom in it. And it's like God has to reveal it to you, though. I mean, we've shared this with so many people. You know, it's like you just, your heart breaks when you see somebody that's, that's so under law but God has to reveal it to him. So, Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for my brother and thank you for our relationship and thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for this group. And we just pray that um, you just guide and direct each and every one of us and that um, we would just live in your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. What are you laughing about? I, I, I uh, noticed that you wore black today. You didn't want us to see the sweat rolling down your shirt. He said he got up and cried for two hours just to get it over with, so he didn't have to do it up here. <laughs> You've been crying all week. Uh, you know, here's the cool thing, you guys, is, well, obviously I grew up like you did in a church that taught law. And when I left that church and I kind of sat for a time, a season, and then we started meeting at the, the Ward's house with Lukey's and everybody else, we, the elders got together and we go, can we have a community where there is no law other than Christ? Like, can we, because typically in a church you grew up, in the church I grew up in, you tried to control the people with the law. It, it was all about behavior. It was about, it's just what you were talking about, what scripture is talking about. It's like, how do you control, because you don't want, you know, this new group to look bad. And then we're like, well, let's take a, let's take a chance. Let's just say you're free. You can go out and do whatever you want. Go for it. You're free. It was chaos the first couple of years. <laughs> I have to admit. <laughs> but once people figured out their identity, it all started coming back to center. And it's 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 brought this group together where we can just be real. You know, we're not perfect in our behaviors. We're perfect in our soul and spirit. Uh, but the whole identity thing, 
has created a beautiful community where these guys who, who are just normal guys are passionate about Jesus and passionate about communicating what they what has been revealed to them to other people. I think that's the natural thing, right? It's like when you figure this out, you're like, man, I knew what it was to be bound up. I would love to see my friends walk in the same light. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, yeah, as a pastor, you know, the, the stress of doing evangelism. Doing evangelism now is just sitting with people in the midst of their chaos. That's that's real evangelism. Just say, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Uh, I just appreciate your hearts. I just appreciate you two being in this flock and loving people and taking care of people and teaching people. And You saw the realness today, the beauty of it, and uh, it was a good thing. Um, next week, we're going to wrap up chapter seven, and it gets into some of the thinking that you all are talking about. How do you, like you started out with, how does the power of sin affect us? What is, some of you don't even know what power of sin is, what we refer to that as. Uh, but where do these nasty, if I'm a new creation, where do these nasty thoughts come from? How did those originate? Did I make those thoughts? And so Wes Kate's coming up here, and uh, it's going to be really cool because uh, I think we're going to touch on some of the mental health side of things, uh, which is a big deal in our community right now. So I'm excited for Wes being here and breaking that down the end of Chapter 7. But uh, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Love you.